So a person who has low self-esteem, who needs attention, who needs affection, who has been in these loveless relationships, emotionless relationships, they're going to gravitate to somebody who is adoring, right? Showering with gifts and attention and love. But in fact, they become gasoline to the narcissist. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, and I hope you are having a great week. Hey, tomorrow's Friday. Woohoo! Do you have any fun plans for this weekend? I hope you do. I will be unhooking the RV tomorrow morning, leaving Mount Rushmore and headed to Devil's Tower in Wyoming. How exciting! I haven't been back there since I was eight years old, so it will be neat to see it and experience it as an adult. Not that I ever act like an adult, (laughs) because adulting is so overrated, is it not? Speaking of acting like a child and doing childlike things, I suggested on the last episode that you get out there and do something daring, something courageous, and something outside your comfort zone. Considering I practice what I preach, I did do something daring and courageous yesterday. OMG, you guys. I did an obstacle course at Custer State Park in South Dakota. It wasn't just any obstacle course, though. I had to climb these tall pine trees, balance on ladders and tight ropes to get from one tree to another, and then zip line back down to the ground. It was so crazy. I almost crapped my pants. <laughs> But I had such a blast and I was so dang proud of myself. I hope you get out there this weekend and do something fun, courageous, and exhilarating. You will be glad that you did. And just like I said on the last episode, I want to hear about it. You can send me a message on Instagram or Facebook, tag me in your photo, email me at hello at wendyvalentine.com. Or you can leave me a message on the Midlife Hotline, 888-238-2988. That number is (laughs) 888-238-2998. I truly do love hearing from all of you. I do. 
As a matter of fact, just before I started recording this intro, someone by the name of Angela Bennett left me a message on Facebook and she wrote, I just listened to episode 95 of your podcast and did the wheel. She was referring to the wheel of midlife. It really gave me hope that my dreams and goals are attainable with small steps. Oh, yes, they are. And she says, one being a podcast. I love you, Wendy. You rock. Aw, that makes me want to cry. Happy tears, of course. Angela, thank you so much. You rock, my dear. And I'm excited for you to take some steps, reach your goals, and fulfill your dreams. And I know you can do it. I want that for all of you out there. Before I introduce you to today's incredibly cool guest, just a reminder to sign up for the Midlife News at themidlifenews.com to receive insider alerts on new episodes, live shows, free workshops, and special offers. As a bonus, you'll receive your free Midlife Makeover Toolkit, which includes the Wheel of Midlife that Angela was referring to, and a $50 coupon to the Midlife Makeover Method online course. Besides writing a new book and climbing trees like a monkey, (laughs) I'm also creating a new online course on how to reinvent yourself. The Midlife News subscribers will receive a special discount, so make sure you sign up ASAP. Okay, our guest today will also help you reinvent yourself, and then some. Her name is Carrie Drobin Javago. Is that not the coolest name? And she is such a unique, talented, and extraordinary woman. I am honored to have her on the show today and for you to meet her. Carrie is an award-winning, critically acclaimed true crime author and attorney. Her books have been featured on American Greed, Netflix, History Channel, A&E, CNN, MSNBC, Investigation ID, ABC Prime, Katie Couric Media, and in Time Magazine and the New York Post. Wowza! Her books have been optioned for film and made into a television series called Gangland Undercover. I'm watching her show this weekend. I cannot wait. Besides Carrie and I discussing her impressive work as an author and attorney, we discuss narcissism, a word that I can barely spell without spell check, you guys. (laughs) And a word that has been thrown around a lot these days. Not only does Carrie help us to understand narcissism, but she also helps us to manage a relationship with a narcissist, how to move on from a narcissist, and most importantly, how to regain your strength, confidence, and freedom. After speaking to Carrie about narcissism, I realized that I dated a narcissist after my divorce, and I am so grateful that relationship ended. It made me realize that if I had stayed in that relationship, I would have completely lost Wendy and I would not be where I am today. All in all, narcissism is very unhealthy and I hope today's show brings awareness to a tough topic. I also hope it helps anyone out there in a relationship with a narcissist to take care of themselves and to take back control of their lives. Yes, you can do it. Yes, it can be done. Everyone, please welcome Carrie to the show. Carrie Drobin Javago, 
the coolest name ever. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Before we dive in to how cool you are and everything that you do, I want to tell everyone that so just about every day, I get tons of requests for people that want to be on the show, which is really cool. And I'm very humbled. And I'm picky because I want to make sure I give, you know, provide good content for my listeners. And I get things from like divorce attorneys, um, oh my gosh, weight loss, uh, all sorts of things. And when I saw yours come across, I was like, wait, what is this? Like, (laughs) so cool. So you're an attorney and an author, but that's just, there's so much more to it than that. But I'm going to let you tell your story about who you are. And I am so curious how you even got involved with what you're doing. So go for it. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I thank you for having me. And I'm I'm glad I made this election process, you know? Um, So, um, yeah, so I had a a kind of circuitous journey, but I I practice as a criminal defense and family law attorney. And my specialty or niche right now is working with women, mostly who are the victims of psychological abusive relationships. So it kind of marries the two together. And I'm also a true crime author, and I've been a true crime author for over 20 years, and I've written about eight books. And so I feel like I have a very good platform to know about criminal minds and criminal pathology and a sort of specializing in the, you know, psychological dark matter is what I call it. Wow. Yeah. So it gives me a really great, um, a great lens to help people through that whole process. And, you know, and I myself am a survivor slash thriver of that kind of psychological abuse. So I feel like I have a terrific platform to be able to educate, inform, and, you know, entertain other people in that arena, right? So it was a very circuitous path to get there. And it just sort of all fell into place and and became this this wonderful marriage, no pun intended, of, uh, of the two together. And so I feel very fortunate to be able to, to help people through that and navigate that. And, and I should just mention that when, when I went through my own um, divorces, plural, not proud of that, but, you know, plural. Yeah, ditto right here with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chivago, my last name actually means life after. So it was a, a really awesome sort of uh, serendipity of how all of that came together. So I, I now use my three names together, Carrie Drove and Chivago. So that's how that. Interesting. Yeah. So what, how, how did you even get involved in any of that? And like crime, you know, the study of sociopaths, where did that even, how did that even start in your mind? How did that evolve? Well, so if we start to the origin story, which I love origin stories because they really do sort of, um, they all sort of make sense as you go back into somebody's past and you kind of think, how did they get, you know, how did they get where they, where they are? And, um, I'm always reminded of that talking head song, you know, this is not my beautiful life, you know, (laughs) like, how did I get here? So, um, really my, my path is very, um, it was actually very well-defined from childhood, but I didn't know it at the time. So I grew up in a family of two covert operatives. So I, they were part, they, I mean, I can say that now cause they're now retired, but they, yeah. they formerly worked with CIA. And so my whole life growing up, 
was a lie. And so, and I didn't learn about their undercover life until I was 17. And so that was a huge sort of, you know, moment of like, oh my God, my whole life has been a lie. And I've been working undercover, you know, like living undercover and not really knowing it. But it turns out it became this awesome platform for writing about subcultures and undercover infiltrations and undercover people. And so it sort of became that um, the seed was planted when I was Mm -hmm. a kid living in that. But how I actually got into it is even more strange because I never had a mind to write true crime. It was the farthest thing from my, you know, purview. It wasn't on my radar. I was writing poetry. And so I have, uh, you know, three degrees in poetry. And so, you know, and I, and I was studying acting in Boston. And so I thought, you know, originally I thought I wanted to be an actress and you know, so it was playwriting, acting, poetry, again, farthest thing from criminal pathology. And so when I couldn't make a living as a poet, um, the recession hit and I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I can't, I'm not going to be starving on the street. So I, I, I took a really like left-hand turn and I decided to apply to law school. And that's mm. what kind of got me into law. And what I loved about law not law school, but law was this <laughs> yeah. <idea> of, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. But yeah, what I love about law itself is that you could take a set of facts and you could reframe the narrative. So it was storytelling um, on a whole other level. And so, you know, as mm. a prosecutor, because I started out as a prosecutor, and there's a long answer for you, but <laughs> so as I started out as a prosecutor, I was constructing a case. And as a defense attorney, I was deconstructing a case. So we all had the same set of facts, and it was just the narrative that became really important. And so that sort of gave me the framework when I got into criminal defense to really be curious about, you know, how did these clients that I'm representing, how did they get here? Like, what was their origin Mm -hmm. story? You know, what makes... A murderer, for example, what, what yeah, body to do this, you know, and and it just became fascinating to me, like how how do they do this? What is this pathology? And I started to to really dive deep into it, and then as I was, you know, getting deeper and deeper into that, I had another moment of just complete serendipity where I was approached to write this incredible criminal case about the ATF's infiltration of the Hells Angels. And so, wow, yeah, it was crazy. And, and I should mention the little PS there that I was married at the time to an undercover cop. So everything in my life was undercover. It was very subversive, very like, so I was living it, writing it and working in it. Yeah. And it's almost like the story isn't really how it appears. It's what's, underneath that what's in between all of the 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 story there's so, well so interesting fact about me my dad uh was an undercover fbi agent oh my gosh yeah oh wow we have a lot in common that is so crazy. And it is right it's wild to live in a household like that where you like well as you know they can't say anything and yeah. he still can't even though he's retired now 
But there was always this like, wonder what's going on. Where's he going? And when's yeah. he coming back? And wonder what happened. And yeah, it's so fascinating. And yeah. I actually, I wanted to be an FBI agent, but here I am. I'm a podcaster in an RV. Oh my God. Yeah. Once upon a time, I actually applied to be an FBI agent. And then I decided that was the path I wanted to go. Yeah. So there's always this sort of flirtation with that side, you know, that thin blue line of law and order and then the subversive, the undercover world. So it was was interesting. Yeah. And didn't you also have a series or still have a, a TV series out? I have um, a couple, actually. So uh-huh. I, one of my books was made into a television show called Gangland Undercover. And that was the true story of Charles Falco, who is who was a government informant and infiltrated three of the big five outlaw motorcycle gangs. And so I wound up doing his story and getting to know him. And then, you know, the, the craziest, my, my fantasy was always that somebody would pick up my book, read it, and want to make it into something. And that's in fact what happened. So a Canadian film producer read that book and made it into Gangland Undercover. And it's a series now. And I think it's, it's playing on Netflix. So it's very cool. Cool. Oh, I'm watching that tonight. Yeah, it was really fun. It was fun. I had a really interesting moment of like, you know, they filmed parts of it at Gillespie Dam in Arizona, but the other parts were filmed in Toronto and they used Canadian actors. And so I got to visit the set of that show. And what I found so fascinating and funny at the time, we talk about ironies. So there I am on the set. And of course, nobody knows the writer, right? They, nobody pays attention to who you are, right? You're just basically incognito <laughs> again, right? So you're undercover again, visiting the set. Watch, I mean, it's so surreal, right? Watching actors play these real people that you wrote about. And, um, and then lo and behold, the person, the first book I wrote about running the devil, that person, that operative was on the set and apparently he had a film company. And so he supplied the extras for Gangland Undercover. So it all sort of like came together in this really interesting, you know, amalgamation of people and events and stories all kind of blending together all at once. It was just the craziest thing. Wow. That is so wild. So I was sharing with you before we hit record that one of my most of my top shows are about divorce. And so for the people out there that have, well, even if they're not, you know, married or getting a divorce um, in a relationship with a sociopath and narcissist. So let's dive into that a little bit. Um, And, you know, the word narcissism is thrown around so loosely. I really, I would love to hear from you. What is a narcissist? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I agree with you. It is sort of thrown around, you know, like pretty soon everyone's a narcissist. And and I should say, I mean, all of us have a shadow side, right? So all of us have, have qualities of narcissism in us, you know, so it's not like this separate thing over there, this, this ball of wax there, but it's just, what it is, is it, is it a a number of behaviors and it's the behaviors that are on a spectrum. So there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of, there's varying degrees of narcissism. And so what it is, it's somebody that really lacks empathy that has grandiose ideas that, um, you know, uses techniques and strategies to lure their victims in. So this is why it's important to know Mm. what those behaviors are and to identify them because they're dangerous. So if, you know, and they're not noticeable right off the bat, it's not as if, 
you know, the classic narcissist, I mean, we see this in television all the time, the classic narcissist is somebody that, that comes out and just says, you know, me, 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 you know, <laughs> this is my world and you're just, yeah. Living. Right. And so if it was that easy, we, we would run, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> um, then, but it's not in a lot of cases, it's really not that obvious. I mean, the, the true narcissist or the narcissistic personality disorder, the, the, the behaviors that we're looking out for, the red flags that we're looking out for are, are people that are highly, highly manipulative. In, in many mm. cases, they're very charming. And, and I love to point to the Disney films for this because I, I'm, <laughs> I mean, if you truly want to know a narcissist, watch the Disney princes, <laughs> you know, and how they lure in their princesses. I mean, it's really quite uh. extraordinary. So um, anyway, that's, that's a little bit of an aside, but I, I love yeah. to analyze those kinds of films in order to really identify what those behaviors are. So, I mean, some things that are, are really important to, to kind of watch out for is the, the behaviors that are alarming, which is, you know, this sort of intense attention, um, what mm. we call love bombing, you know, where people, a person, you, you're getting into a relationship with somebody and all of a sudden they are so attentive to you. Right. And that can be really flattering and really desirable, especially if you're somebody who has low self-esteem, you come from Mm -hmm. a a past or a relationship where you've been sort of marginalized, you know, Mm -hmm. so you are prime target for a narcissist. And so the thing about narcissism is they, it's supply and demand, right? They, you are their narcissistic supply. So a person who has low self-esteem, who needs attention, who needs affection, who has been in these loveless relationships, emotionless relationships, they're going to gravitate to somebody who is adoring, right? Showering with gifts and attention and love. But in fact, they become gasoline to the narcissist. So interesting. Yeah. That is very, uh, that can be very concerning. So that's, you know, one thing to to worry about. And the other thing about a narcissist, a a true narcissist, is they they absolutely don't care about you as a person. Mm -hmm. They care about your usefulness. You know, how useful are you to them? Mm -hmm. What can they get from you? And what I always tell people is to really pay attention to how you feel when you're in the company Mm -hmm. of a narcissist. Because you may not be able to identify it right away. But if you feel drained from the relationship, chances are you're being literally, it's like a vampire. You're literally being sucked. Yes. Like the life is being sucked out of you. And and that's a, that's a classic telltale sign that you are in a, an unstable, dangerous relationship. The other analogy that I love to give is, is not my own. I have to get, give credit to, um, Oh, what is her name? Um, she's a, oh my God, I'm spacing on her name, but, but you'll, you'll identify her, um, Romani, Dr. Romani, um, who's a wonderful, uh, psychologist who specializes in, in this subject, but she compared it to a slot machine. So a narcissist is like a slot machine. The person that's involved in a relationship with a narcissist is constantly going to that slot machine, putting in that money and hoping for the big payday. And it's that payday mm. that keeps the person kind of destabilized, going back. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Isn't that well, I'm thinking back, and my, <laughs> I'm like, 
my own relationships. I'm like, interesting. Yes, ding, 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 ding. Right. I mean, yeah, I, that's I, a I, great I, analogy. Yes. They drain the living life out of you and, and you cannot, it's almost like an addiction. Like you can't walk away from it because you're hanging on for that payday. Are, are they, is the narcissist might be a slight question. Are they totally conscious of what they're doing? Or is it just so like ingrained within them that they're just, I mean, are they trying to be deceitful or? No. And that's like, they, they don't have any sense that what they're doing is wrong or who they are as a person is wrong, which makes it doubly difficult because if you're in a relationship with one, they don't think anything's wrong with them. They're not going to go to a, a mental health counselor to diagnose themselves or to get better. And, and that's really the rub of it is that if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you're Mm -hmm. never going to change them. It's just not going to happen. There's, yeah, I was just about to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no treatment. There's no cure. There's no nothing. So you have to decide, can you live with this? And so, and yeah, is there a way to live with it and manage it? How do you, how do you even begin? You know, interestingly enough. So the first decision is whether or not you can, you can stomach it, if you can live with it. And, and there are reasons people stay. Um, sometimes they, they have everything to do with finances or geography or whatever that relationship is giving to that person, right? Maybe they have young children and they can't quite leave right away. So a lot of times that that whole, you know, so you've identified these behaviors, you've identified that this is bad, right? Um, but you stay anyway. And so I think it's really important to, to understand or be aware of the reason why you're staying in something. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are ways to manage it. And, and, the, and I, I say that with a caveat because narcissism is a spectrum. And so if you're in a relationship where you're um, being battered, emotionally, financially, physically, you know, it's a manipulative degradation of your soul because yeah, people that are in these relationships, they lose their identity. And I was just about to say, yeah, you completely lose yourself. You lose yourself. And that's not good. No, it's not good. And you have to yeah. ask yourself, how much are you willing to jump through these hoops to right. be a different person? Because you're, you know, I mean, many people that are involved in those relationships are people pleasers. You know, they're, they're people that, uh, they give and give and give, which is one of the reasons the narcissist is so attracted to them. Right. I mean, how many times have you or your listeners heard this from a narcissist? I'm so attracted to your light. Right. (laughs) Well, of course they're attracted to your light because they're a dark energy. They're a dark entity. And so they're wanting to do that. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting balance. I mean, I, I've had many clients that will talk to me about their, their relationships. And for years, they will not leave. And, and in fact, I'm guilty of that too. For years, I didn't leave. And, and yeah. there are reasons for it. I mean, one, sometimes they're not aware of it. So that's that. Yes. You know, other times they're, they're aware of it, but they're, they're managing it, right? They say, this is right. working for me now. And the minute it doesn't work for me, I will make an exit strategy, right? <laughs> How are you going to get out of this? Because it is a strategy. And, and I would say that, you know, one of the ways to manage it is, you know, I mean, there, I, I give a lot of 
client's scripts. Like there are actual ways of communicating with a narcissist mm. to protect yourself, right? And but it's exhausting. And you have to ask yourself, how long are you going to keep that up? How long are right. you going to be this person that walks on eggshells that is so afraid of disrupting that balance, you know, and and what are you willing to trade off? You know, and I and I call right. it this is kind of a bad term, but I call it the surrendered wife, you know, or the surrendered mm. husband. Because that is, in fact, what happens to you when you're entrenched in this kind of relationship is that you right. surrender yourself to this. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I would think, like, as difficult as it is to be with a narcissist, it's probably really challenging to get away from the narcissist because they probably lure you back in over and over and over again. Yeah, because they know how to to feed into your to the into the insecurities and the vulnerability. It's absolutely true, and that that is the rub of it. It's incredibly, mm. and so I think that you have to really devise a strategy of how yeah. you're going to do this. And then a lot of times it's baby steps, you know, because you're you're afraid of that volatility with the person mm-hmm. that you're with, and and some. I mean, the reason it's dangerous to stay is because in most cases, I would say 99% of these cases, it's leading to domestic violence and domestic violence mm. is murder in slow motion. Right. And that's, again, oh, yes. I know it's like a, it's just upping the ante each and every time. So the more that the person mm. changes, right. The more that you change either to accommodate or to yep. protect yourself, you're changing the dynamic that you're established that you have established with that narcissist. So it's really important to have an exit strategy to understand and anticipate his next move. So, right. you know, it's, you, have, you almost have to be 10 steps ahead. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to make sure that you've secured um, finances for yourself because that's the first target, right? They want to drain your, your resources so they drain your resources. They usually isolate you. So you don't have family support either. So you're alone or you feel alone. So yep. what I tell people is start shoring up your support group. Like who's going to help you when you get out of there, right? So shore up resources, finances, and sometimes this takes a while to do, but you know. How I was just going to say, it's almost like you have to go undercover yourself within yeah. the relationship, <laughs> right? And start saving up and getting all your, your little duckies in a row before you even start to exit. That's exactly it. You have to be prepared yeah. for battle because it's, it is not going to be easy because what you're describing, right. which is hoovering, right? There's an actual term for mm-hmm. it. So not only, so I guess mm-hmm. that was the other thing I was going to say. I mean, not only has this narcissist um, gaslighted you for your, mm-hmm. most of your relationship, your entire life. And, and having come from, you know, sort of an undercover background yourself, you know what that's mm-hmm. like, where you're just, your yep. whole reality is not your reality. Like they are, they're telling you that what you are seeing and perceiving is not true. And <laughs> in order to stay rooted in that relationship, you have to buy into that, which is so right. stabilizing. Because you're like, wait a second. I think I saw, you know, I woke up this morning and the sky was blue and he's telling you, no, 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 it's still night out. It's still night out. You know, we have a, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's in fact, what they call it is this crazy making world. Like you are in a crazy making world. And so that's the first step is to try to realize 
that what you're being told by him is not true, right? And I used to right. love this from a um, therapist once told me, she says, two things can be true. <laughs> and I, I love that because it's so true. Two things can be true, right? Um, he, he can be telling you one thing, but then there is the actual truth. And so, you know, you right. have to trust your intuition on that because it's a, it's a process. And the first thing that person is going to do is try to hoover you back. And so yep. that's the cycle of it, right? Where you, you suddenly made a plan, you feel empowered, you're going to yep. stick with it, and then you get struck by fear. And yep. he then becomes Prince Charming again, right? Where he's like, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be like, you know, and then, and it smooths everything over again. And that's the slot machine, right? Yep. Yes, exactly. Your dribble of money. And so you stay. And that's unfortunately the horrible cycle that people find themselves in that I was in, you know? So it's it's definitely, you know, I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. And going back to what you were saying earlier about telling a new story, and that's really what it is. Because if you think about it, the narcissist is creating you and your story. They're the author, not you. So it's, in order to live your own life and to be empowered to tell your own story, you have to get out of the relationship to be able to free yourself. Right. That's exactly it. You have to start yeah. a narrative. And so I think it's really important. So, so it's critical about that is to know where you came from, to know that origin mm-hmm. story of yourself and to remember who you were because the narcissist is taking that away from you. It's almost like having like Alzheimer's, right? He's taking your memories. He's taking, yes. he's telling you that the people that you once were close to or loved or had, or thought of as your support system are no longer there for you. And it's mm-hmm. a really scary, lonely, empty world when you're in that yep. situation. And I know that people that are listening now that are maybe in there, yep. they're knowing what that feels like. And it's terror. <laughs> it's like a whole yeah. level of terror, you know, where you're just. It is. And I, I have to say, you know, I've. Uh, as you're kind of going over everything, what is a narcissist? And I, I figured like years ago, I dated a narcissist and it's like, you kind of know it at the time, but you almost don't want to believe it. But you just like the slot machine, you're like, oh, but here's a good day. Here's a good moment. No, maybe I was wrong. And then you stay in it and then months go by and you're like, wait, what, what is going on? You're just like, it's so crazy. And then when you step out of it, you realize how crazy it was. Yes. And it's, yeah. and there's a lot of grief that comes with that too. I mean, there's, yes. a, it's a whole healing process because psychological abuse can leave these invisible wounds that are so, mm-hmm. so deep. And the yep. really sad part is there's not a lot of people, unless you've been in it, that really understand it. Mm-hmm. They can't actually come to terms with it. And part of what you're describing is this thing called, you know, cognitive dissonance where you, you don't want to believe it's almost yeah. to be true. And the, one of the most striking examples this is a, a little macabre, but it's kind of in my world where it, the Jeffrey Dahmer has this documentary out now that is really, really tough. Wow. To and in fact, I could barely get through it, but, but what fascinated me so much about it was his family, his father, who, I mean, he's sitting there in one, in one, interview, he talks about receiving a a head. He's holding a head in a box and he 
cannot believe that his son has done this. And so he convinces himself that it's normal, that it's okay. Like there's nothing going on, right? And so that's kind of what happens with victims who are in a narcissistic relationship. Like you cannot believe Yes. So you make it. Yeah, you. Yep. Yep. And you almost like get brainwashed through the whole thing, really. And and then you you feel sorry for them. So then you kind of hang in there and. And I can remember feeling like looking back such, I felt I was pissed at myself actually. Cause like, I know better than that. What the heck? But I think for anyone out there listening to, to not feel bad about it. I mean, it can happen to the best of us. And when I dated this narcissist, I was, it was, I was fresh out of divorce. Um, I was grieving for my brother. I had I had tons of things going on. So I was in such a vulnerable, weak state, really. And so, which is prime for a narcissist to reel you in and be like, okay, you know, that would give you that attention and that love and they, they use their charm. And then after you kind of start to rebuild your strength and then that's when it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? Like, what am I doing? And and again, losing yourself through it. Yeah. And that's a perfect example because I think yep. that so many women find themselves in that situation, particularly post-divorce, right? Yep. Midlife crisis here. Yeah. Post-divorce yep. where you're, you're already wounded. You're already yes. recovering because divorce, I mean, let's face it, divorce is like a, it's probably worse than a death in some situations because it, it yep. lingers for a long time, especially if you have children. So you're always being re-wounded, right? Re-traumatized by that, that situation and that circumstance. And so you are in a really vulnerable, volatile situation. And here's the classic line, okay? <laughs> I know I've, I've said this before, and I'm sure there are listeners out there who've said it too. When you start dating again, okay? And oh my God, those apps, right? When you start dating again <laughs> and you are in that wounded place, and you feel like you're quote ready to go out there again and find yes. your next like true love, right? And you say to that date, you know, I've had a really tough relationship. I, I had a nasty divorce. I was really wounded during it, and I just can't go through that again. Okay, that is a classic like cue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're like, Ooh, yeah. They're like, this is good. Good bait. They're like really in even more. They reel you in. Exactly. That's the Hoover. Do not say that. Anybody that's thinking about dating, do not, do not paint that picture of yes. I'm vulnerable. I'm wounded. I'm damaged. I've been so hurt in past relationships. Even if it's true, don't put it yep. out there because mm-hmm. that is that, I mean, they call it the mask of sanity, right? So that is exactly what the narcissist is looking for. And unfortunately, there are many that are predatory out on the mat, you know, the dating services and the apps because they're looking for that person. And, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's happened to the best of us. And I think you're, you're absolutely correct in saying it's, it crosses all, you know, geodora, like what do you call it? Economic, um, right. Graphics, yeah. Like anything, right. I mean, it can happen right. to anyone. I mean, I, I consider myself I do consider myself <laughs> a strong, accomplished, um, successful, attractive woman. Yep. And yet it happens to me. And yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I think about that for myself too. I was like, okay, wait a minute. How did this happen? 
But if it, yeah, if it hits just right in that moment in life, when you, when you needed that the most, then it, it doesn't catch up with you until later. So if you can become aware of it before you even go out there, especially in the dating world, or you take a step back from the relationship that you're in and be like, wait a minute, you know, have I lost myself in this relationship? What's going on here? And really just becoming mindful, right? In the relationship. Yes. I, I would think though too, and I've, I've people that have reached out to me that have been divorced, they're divorced from a narcissist. They still have children together, but they're still having to deal with that narcissist while since they're raising the children. So yeah. how do you even how do you even manage that then? You know, there is a way to manage it. And I and I I know that's that is like the the kiss of death, right? Because yes. And I always tell people, you're never really divorced when you have children together because you still have to communicate. And unfortunately, yep. and this is the real tragedy, and I think this is pretty consistent nationwide, is the real tragedy is the, the court system and the laws in, in many, many states do not protect the mm. victims of these situations because they don't understand it. And so yeah. I think the really important, the first step is to really educate is to mm-hmm. educate the court systems, have more shows like yours, where people are starting mm-hmm. to understand what that pathology is, what yeah. I mean, it, it is a form of domestic violence. And right. so exactly, you know, it, and, and I, and I say it's a, it's a crime without a crime scene. I mean, mm-hmm. that is literally what it is psychologically. Yeah. And it's so layered and so complex. And, and unfortunately in, in many family court arenas, there are no laws to protect against it because unless a person is physically abused and can have the physical marks, the photos, yeah. the, the concrete evidence, right? CSI, you know, on, on steroids, then, right. then nobody gets any relief. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so what, one of the first things that I try to do is I try to, to educate the, the survivors, right? How do you mm-hmm. go from survivor to thriver? Yep. Because there, there is a way to do that. And, and there is a way, and, and one of the ways is, is minimal contact. So mm. when you have children together, you know, I, I always recommend get that, you know, the specifics of your parenting plan. Yep. So lack solid that you have very minimal contact with them. Yes. And so, you know, I mean, it's, and then I guess, unfortunately, I mean, let's say unfortunately, cause it's like, all right, it's their their father, right? But how do you protect the children or how do you, you know, I would think it's best to even discuss it with the children. What are your thoughts on that? To let them know like how to, cause you don't, you certainly don't want them picking up any of those behaviors. You don't want them losing themselves. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I do, I mean, I mean, a classic thing, I mean, of course, in any, in any narcissistic relationship where you have young children, particularly it's, it, it happens also in older children, but with young children, you have um, this thing called perennial alienation, where you know the narcissistic spouse is going to start defaming and uh, really taking, usually the mother through mm-hmm. through the ringer, and and so the mother's left sort of in this state where oh my gosh, you know my children believe all of these things. So what has you know, and, and I guess my my advice on that is a little bit controversial, but mm. <laughs> but I really believe in um, taking agency. So, yes. um, you know, in my mind, what is happening in that situation is the spouse or the ex-spouse is, is committing a crime. 
mm-hmm. they're they're doing they're performing criminal conduct and they're bringing the children in as their accomplices. Yep. So you know what do you do when you're faced with a crime? You defend, right? Mm-hmm. But defend in a way that is not defensive. And I right. know that sounds really controversial, but but I'm a firm believer in being very honest with the children without defaming the father. Mm-hmm. So, you yep. know, without getting defensive, because yes. remember, I mean, you have nothing, you've done nothing wrong. Right. And so, and that's the thing that I always try to impress on, on my clients is that you're, you're not, you're not a perpetrator. You haven't done anything wrong. You've been mm-hmm. usually a super mom, usually have sacrificed a lot for your children. And you know, and, and to be fair, it can happen with fathers too. So it's not just, right. right. That's true. Yeah. Focusing on women in in your, in your show. But I, I think it's really important to, you know, make a record. So I'm always making a record, Mm -hmm. right. Set the record straight with your children. So, you know, some of that conversation could go something like this. We're saying, you know, it's really unfortunate that your father has involved you in our, you know, divorce proceedings or our post-divorce proceedings. Um, And I know he shared with you some things and I'm here to answer any questions that you have. Yeah. So you let the children initiate that and say, well, you know, so-and-so told me this, you know, and so you can set the Mm. record straight because there's no reason that that narrative, speaking of storytelling, that that narrative needs to be set in stone so that the children never know the truth. Right. Yeah. And if you empower them to ask questions, it teaches them to be inquisitive, to not just accept things at face value and, because what's yeah. happening is they're being gaslighted too, because then they're Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's make them more aware too, not yeah. just in, um, you know, with their parents and with that relationship, but their future relationships. Absolutely. You don't want that getting passed down. And I was going to say too, going back to the psychological and the physical abuse, someone that has been psychologically and physically abused in the past Psychological abuse is so much to me, it was so much more challenging to get over than the physical abuse. So to your point, yes, the psychological abuse is definitely something that is that's huge and to not be ignored. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's really a matter of education because mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I mean, not only do do women, you know, suffer in silence, it's this hidden suffering that they have you know, and they, and they're already so wounded and damaged and they right. pound that, like, what if this is their second marriage, right? Yes. And their or second relationship, it's compounded layers and yes. layers of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, definitely seek counseling. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Right. Because you're mm-hmm. dealing with something that in many, many respects is beyond your ability to just fix yourself. Right. And so right. It's really important to get strong, get healthy, and that includes all aspects. So mentally healthy, physically healthy. Like I, I'm a firm believer in the whole body, right? Let's do the, the the trilogy here. So start working out, start feeling better about yourself. You know, whatever it is. If you can't join a gym, go walk around the block. You know, go yes. do something because it's all part of mindfulness. It's all part of healing, and yep. I think it's it you know, it just brings back your, your agency and your sense of control. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just tough. It's tough to do it, but I think 
you know, the more that you are empowered to take back your life is really what it is. Take back your life, you know, and think of it in that mindset. Not only are you taking back your life for yourself, you're taking it back for your children. You're taking it back yeah. for those future relationships, you know, mm-hmm. because it is systemic and it will compound over time if you don't do it. So basically the buck stops with you. you know? Right. Exactly. And yeah, I love that you said that because it's, it's important to, to regain your strength and then your confidence. And that way it will make it easier than when it comes time to like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get out of this relationship. I'm going to tell him I want a divorce, whatever the case is. Right then it does make it a little bit easier if you build that foundation of strength within yourself first before you even get to that point. Yes. yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You have to, and yeah. writing a new story. I mean, and you know, it's, there's so much more to look forward to and that you deserve that. Yes, absolutely. You have, that is, yeah. exactly, you're reframing the mindset that you, you right. deserve something and it's right. not, you know, it's not, you're not being entitled. You're not being, I mean, so many of us in those situations feel like we don't deserve something. We feel mm-hmm. like we're being punished for something, right? And it's that horrible like, degradation of self is really what's happened. And so, you know, the minute you reframe that, and, and I, I like to do, um, affirmations are a really good way of doing that. Yes. Yep. You, know? you have 10 things that you put, you know, that you use I words, right? Mm-hmm. Where you say, I am strong. I am this. And you say that to yourself, Yeah, yep. you know, even in a month's time, just see how you feel, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a wonderful tool to just get yourself moving in the right direction again and reframing that narrative. Right. And there's light at the end of the tunnel for yes. sure. Absolutely. There's, there's yeah. dazzling. When you get yeah. There. I've always said to you, it's, it's, it's interesting that the people I've had on the show that pretty much we're all our own guinea pigs. Yeah. Right. Like we go through, we go through our own tragedies to find the triumph and that's what we end up teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate that you have to go through that lesson, but sometimes it's that lesson. Yeah. Being that guinea pig that, that gives momentum or inspiration to mm-hmm. the person who's still there, who's still yeah. in that closet you know, waiting to get out or figuring out an escape plan, you know, there's right. unfortunate. There's so many of us out there. Wow. What a cool story. And a, and such a beautiful woman. You're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You've done so much. Oh my gosh. So tell us where we can find you. So I have a website. It's carriedroven.com, D-R-O-B-A-N.com, which lists all of my books, all of my podcasts. I also have a podcast coming up, hopefully in September called Mm -hmm. Stand Still with Carrie Drobin. And, um, it's my own little, uh, justice project. And, um, yeah. And I also have a writing workshop, which is also on my website. Yes. I want to check that out. I, I know for me, like I'm in the process of writing a book and it's a lot. I mean, how many books do you have? I have eight books and counting <laughs> the time. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you're you're definitely shining the light for everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Gary. Thank you. And now for the nuggets of midlife wisdom from today's show. 
Number one, there are varying degrees of narcissism. And a narcissist is someone that lacks empathy, has grandiose ideas, uses techniques and strategies to lure their victims in. Number two, a narcissist is highly manipulative and charming. Oh, yes, they are. Number three, a narcissist will gravitate towards someone who has low self-esteem, needs attention and affection, or has been in a loveless relationship. They become gasoline to the narcissist. Number four, a narcissist doesn't care about you as a person. They care about your usefulness. Number five, pay attention to how you feel when you're in the company of a narcissist. If you feel drained from the relationship, then life is being sucked out of you. Number six, there is no treatment or cure for narcissism. You have to decide if you can manage that relationship or you need to move on. Number seven, it's important to have an exit strategy. Secure your finances, create your support group, and get your duckies in a row. Number eight, remember who you are. Create a new story for yourself. Get strong, get healthy, and set yourself free. You got this, girl. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I just absolutely love that conversation. I learned a lot about narcissism especially how to spell it (laughs) and to say it 50 times, how it impacts others and how it impacted me in my own life. I hope this episode provided hope and healing for you. Make sure you check out CarrieDrobin.com and all the awesome work she does for this world. I will leave all of her links in the show notes as well. I will chat with you on Monday when we have Marilyn Chinitz on the show. Marilyn is a partner at the Blank Rome Law Firm and is known for representing A-list celebrities like, listen to this, you guys, Tom Cruise, hello, and Michael Douglas. Ooh la la. Marilyn and I had an awesome conversation about the upside of divorce and how you can make the best of this life-altering event in your life. Yes, you can. I am living proof of it. Have a great weekend, everyone. Get out there and be bold and do something fun this weekend.